it's been a long day, TR. I'm just, I'm glad we're, uh, we're ready to record. What is, what is, do you smell that? Is that evergreen? Maybe. It is freezing in here. What is going on? Do you hear crickets and water dripping in the background? It's like a forest. Those scented candles. What is happening in here? Well, guys, I thought we'd settle in for a relaxing evening, some herbal tea, and thoughtful sounds to get us in the right mindset to play Dungeons and Dragons. I thought we were podcasting tonight. Yeah. Oh, wait, is this the wrong Wednesday? You've set the wrong mood, man. Oh, man. Uh, well, okay. So, welcome to Game Store Profits, where we talk about God, gaming, and groups. I am your host, Daniel Fisher. Along with me, I have the illustrious TR Knight. I'm not that glowy, so I'm not sure I am illustrious tonight, but we're okay. And then I also have the one, the only, Jeff Romo. I gotta say, the incense is a nice touch. Hey, man, you know, it's all about setting the mood for what we do in life. That's right. So, you know what, I'm, I am super glad we just went ahead and skipped the whole two, episode 200 nonsense and just jumped to 205, just like you suggested, Daniel. That was a great I, I, idea. I mean, 205 is a round number, and, yeah. you know, we get there. Isn't it a prime number? No, wait. Wait, no, wait maybe. a minute. We, we did do a 200th episode and a 201 and a 202 Get out of here. No, no, no. TR, really? (laughs) Well, it does kind of feel like I was carrying the weight during those. Oh! Oh! oh. Sick burns right out of the gate. (laughs) All right. All right. That's that's not how we set a mood in this house. No, it's not. That's for sure. No, no, no. Well, it sets a mood, just may not be the right one. That's true. That's true. That's going to set some moods off. Tonight, guys, we're what we're looking to do is we're going to talk about gaming. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about gaming, some of the games we've played, the games we like to play, we're looking forward to playing. But we're also talking about what goes on around those games. Ambiance. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, yeah, you just want to sit down, play a board game, knock out a quick card game. But what happens on those game nights where you want a little bit more, just a little touch, Little stugats, you know, uh, nice smells, some music, you know, set in the mood. I personally have like completely fallen in love with doing this ever since we started, you know, recording. And and I think you guys know that I get a little crazy with the special effects at the opening of the show. I get it. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But at the same time, I've really been having fun doing that on the uh, on the uh, Glass Dagger, on the uh, the Inroads Plays stuff, um, uh, doing it for so, you know, when we're not even when we're not recording. I found a trick to be able to share audio over the internet, and but it's it's starting to kind of branch out towards other things as well. You just like those old time radio shows. Yeah. We're here to send them down for some D&D, everybody. Prepare yourself, pull up your socks, and get ready to drop some dice. I, I, I get a little crazy, but I, I, have a, I have a feeling that you guys do the same thing, so I'm, I'm not alone in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and tonight we're not just talking about Dungeons and Dragons, even no. though this is a big part of my D&D game, but we also do this stuff when we play board games, too. Especially highly thematic ones. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... As we, uh, as we contemplate the rest of this episode, I want to look backwards for a little while. 
and check out the uh, archive dive. Well, today I have the archive dive. <laughs> no, and... no, no, not yet. Not yet. I want to talk a little bit about my briefs. No, no. Okay, fine, fine. You talk about your briefs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was a title that was put on my uh, my my segment. It was called the Dark Phoenix Briefs, and I thought it was highly inappropriate, but funny nonetheless. Uh, but uh, it, 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 and this is a real, real short intro here because I want to avoid any kind of spoiler country. But I wanted to dabble a bit in the archive dive in a way that helps us remember why we sometimes love particular source material and how that same love of source material can actually bring us through some dark times. Uh, but uh, but I, I'll leave it at that. After after an experience with the film, The Dark Phoenix, I went ahead and I purchased repurchased because I had the original set of comics in my uh, in my collection. But I purchased the digital of the uh, Dark Phoenix saga because I wanted to sit back and relive the experience in its original form. Well, at least it's you know visually orig- original form. It, it it's a reminder for me when it comes to archiving, remembering some of the reasons why we love the things that we do and the things that we see. And it actually helps me to enjoy material that's inspired by said historical properties. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Does that if, if you have to face something that you don't like and it's based on something that's old that you did like, does that help you at all? Uh, I, I do the same thing. You know, if you got one that you really love, you go back and go, okay, fine. I'm going back to the original, watching it again, <laughs> reading it again. Because yeah. there's the, there was the mood that it set, and you want to go back to the original mood. <laughs> yes. Want to have good go. memories. Nice tie Good in. memories. Yes. Nice tie-in. I like it. So, okay. That, that's my brief. <laughs> let's, uh, let's shift it back over to Daniel. Because, Daniel, you had a, uh, a very cool and very unique experience uh, that I, I can see right now you're eager to share. All right, so first of all, so the product that I'm talking about today is not technically old, but it sort of is old. So it's a module, and the module is the Stranger Things uh, D&D module that, that recently came out. Now, the reason why I'm calling this an archive dive is because this is Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. It's already been out for a few years, so we're good with that. But this is a very special incident. So... When I married my wife, and this is how far I'm going back. This is like 15 years. I played D&D every Friday night, Warhammer every Saturday morning, and I land partied every Saturday night. Good grief. Which was fine because she was a waitress and she worked those days. But she would never, never once play a game with me at all, except for like Nintendo, which is fine. Um, She wasn't much of a gamer, and I understood that. I didn't marry her for that. Anyway, um... So, you know, as the years go by, you know, we're, she's pregnant with our first child. We're living out in the middle of nowhere in, in a cabin my mom owned, and I was into GURPS really heavily. And I found a module for uh, Harry Potter, and I tried to run it, and she pl- sat through it. 
And she's like, this is the worst thing in my entire life, and I never want to do this again. Well, about two years ago. That set a good mood right there. There's a mood right there. So about two years ago, our small group was like, Daniel, will you please run us a RPG? Because we have never done it, and we want to do this. And I was like, sure. As you all know, I love Savage Worlds, so I ran them a Savage Worlds um, horror session, pretty much. they, they had to get to point A to point B and destroy something, and we're good. It was one shot done and that. So um, she sat through that. She's like, never again. Like, All right. So anyway, so this comes out, and, you know, our, our sometimes I think our middle child is our favorite. And so she's like, for Andrew, I will play this. And I was like, All right. So... So I had to make sure we had nothing else planned, nothing else could come up or anything like that. So And I sat the kids down. I said, listen, you two, no fighting. I know, Isabel, you try to kill Andrew all the time as a character. Don't do it. We're, this, is, this is for the family. We're doing this. Just give me tonight. Just tonight. So I ordered pizza, got wings, made homemade brownies. We're good. Talk about setting a mood. Oh, my goodness. My wife, she she gla- grabs the cleric because he's lawful good, and she said his alignment speaks to me. So we go through this entire module, and towards the end of it that evening, that is, and this is the first time I've ever really seen her get into something like this. I mean, she plays board games with this, but, but this is the first time. And towards the end, I knew I had her hooked when she said, I think you gave me a bad set of dice. i was like you are a fisher and then towards the end of it we were fighting the tesla hydra and she had already been hit twice she takes her action to down a health potion when she's that worried about her character dying Mm -hmm. and then afterwards she gets the last blow in 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 to kill this thing and when she did, she's like, yes, yes. And I'm like, afterwards, I said, okay, Jessica, did you have fun? Yes, I did. I'm like, all right, well, would you do this again? She said, the kids made it amazing, and uh, I want to do it again as a family every few weeks. And I'm like, what? Really? And I handed the player's handbook. I said, go read your classes. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is uh, the module okay the module without giving away too many secrets to it is a module written for kids and it's supposed to be written by a kid it's really light you can get through it in about three hours if you don't interrupt yourself i'm not going to give anything away for it but i mean it's really quick really quick to play for a starter set it it works um, there's a few things I would ask that they redid with this set because some of the stats for some of the items given aren't in the correct location, and I wish they would go back and revamp that. But other than that, it's pretty good. I'm curious because it's based on the TV series. Do you have to have watched the TV series to really no, get into it? I mean, the the whole thing behind it is that when, at the beginning of the series, they're playing a, a game of D&D. Yes. So that's supposed to be the module that they are playing at the beginning of the series. Okay. So it's more thematic. It's not a derivative of the show. Yes, that's correct. And it, and to, to your point, when you're saying it was supposedly written by a kid, it's supposedly written by the game master at the table 
yes. in the Stranger Things episode. Okay. Yes. Okay, I got you. I got you. So I mean, it 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 was it's good, especially for a starter set. And I know um, they're getting ready to redo the starter set for fifth edition. Hmm. They they found out that there's a lot of easier ways to to put the rules out there, and um, I personally I think it's also that sales have dwindled down <laughs> for the starter set. I am curious because the show is based on the older version of D&D. This is 5th yes. Ed. Does the adventure module in that box set feel like you're playing an old game or does it feel like a modern game? It, neither. It, no. it, it's it's not set up like an old game at all because it's set up like a kid wrote it in his, his notebook. Okay. So, and, and as far as their newer stuff, no, not really at all. It's not set up like the books are. I mean, they they were going to try to get away from both of that. Okay. So, the the fact that that the um, the creature that you're fighting is a Tesla Hydra, that's old school. Yeah, you don't hear about him a lot anymore because um, you know on every D and D edition they push a different type of ultimate monster to kill and and all that stuff. So, in in the Tesla Hydra was one of the older ones that everybody really got into. Okay, I was just curious to know how much it was associated. I mean, I know they're they're utilizing the popularity of the show to help sell it yeah. and get people in, but it's much like Critical Role is like one of the number one draws into the gaming. Stranger Things is probably one of the next big things that's getting people interested in Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, I think Stranger Things is getting ki- more kids interested in it. Uh, Critical Role is more adult oriented anyway. That's true. Um, yeah, but yeah, I believe that. Stranger Things is actually pushing towards the kids. And that's one of the things I do enjoy about Stranger Things was I, even though I'm very wary about what my children watch, I didn't really seem to have a problem with Stranger Things. It was, to me, it almost had the feel of E.T. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got, I mean, it's got that feel to it. It's also got the, um, it's got some elements of horror in there, though, that I think has like a higher concept horror, the, the more of that psychological horror feel to it which uh, that kind of skirts it for me because i I mean there's there's one there's one thing for like kids about you know avoiding just like out and out violence just straight up blood and gut your saws and 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 those types of films yeah but then you get into films like the others or or even it or a few of those types of films where there's more like a psychological feel to it that's about the only thing that kind of has it i get a little bit of hesitance for stranger things just my own opinion Something that um, threw my wife off a little bit was that I had my phone behind the DM screen and I had Sirenscape pulled up. And, you know, when they're walking through a cavern, I had uh, sounds of a dungeon, because I like the dungeon sounds, playing at the same time, the water dripping and the thematic music. And then when they went to an area where they're in the forest, I made it start raining and it was cold. And I had, uh, there's a theme called Witchwood and it starts raining in Witchwood. And my wife's like, oh, wow, I didn't expect music. (laughs) It adds a lot, man. Yeah, it really does. Well, cool merger of old school, new school kind of thing. And I think it's exciting that your family got to have a good time. Yes, and it's a new, I believe on this is a new chapter for the Fisher family. Because if my wife really likes D&D, like, you know, gets into it, and hopefully I'm a good enough DM to get her there, you know, I might see her at some conventions. Ah, there you go. (laughs) 
Well, now that we've talked about the past merging with the future, let's actually talk about what's on the horizon. <laughs> Dr. I think you need to uh, you need to lead off lead this off, and then okay. just give us give us a like a a, a happy little. You know, laugh if you really enjoyed the Godzilla film, which you've already seen. (laughs) Okay, so last time we talked about I was going to be seeing the Godzilla film by the time the podcast came out. I did go see Godzilla, King of the Monsters, with one of my daughters. I loved every bit of it. It was amazing to me. I know critics have been panning it a little bit, saying it's not as good as Kong Skull Island or Godzilla. I don't care. It was big monsters beating each other up. And it was exactly what I went to see, and I enjoyed every moment of it. Great illusions, great to see things. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but if you've watched Godzilla movies in the past, it was a Godzilla movie. That's the best way to put it. It is kaiju, fighting kaiju, but yet like the modern Godzilla movie and Kong, it had a personal element. Mm. So whether you like that aspect or not, some people complained there was too much monster in this one, which was funny. Because they complained in the first Godzilla movie, there wasn't enough monster. Not enough monster, yeah. But, so, this is why we're talking about this is on the horizon. So, I saw the movie. I've been watching tons of videos online about it. You know, the Easter eggs and all these things. But new excitement announced this week. Bandai has announced they're going to release <laughs> Godzilla the card game this fall. Is it based on Flux? No. <laughs> that's loony labs no but the idea is you're going to be able to have the kaiju fighting kaiju and it's like the only game like that i have now i have a game called kaiju crush which is fun it's a simple little game but it doesn't have the intellectual property it's not actual artwork or anything my understanding is from looking at it the card game is going to be artwork but the artwork is actually mimicked off the old 60s 70s 80s and 90s godzillas that's nice. nice. So, like, they even have Jet Jaguar, which I was like, <laughs> oh. oh, he's so great. And they've got King <laughs> Ghadira. They've got uh, Rodan, Godzilla. So, I was really impressed that they're going back and the artwork is taken right off like you're doing paintings off the old shows. See, that's why I, r- I really enjoyed the uh, Transformers card game that came out last year. Yeah. Because it was old Transformers. Yeah. That's why I enjoyed the movie Bumblebee because it had old Transformers, which I still haven't seen yet. I'm going to go see it, buddy. Go see it. It's amazing. If for anything, just for the first ten minutes, that's it's amazing. So what I'm gonna say though is, if you do like Godzilla movies for what they are, the new movie was worth it. It's not an Oscar winner. You know, I didn't go to it to see that. (laughs) I went to see monsters (laughs) destroying the world. It was a great post-apocalyptic film. Same way, the game has me interested because I like competitive card games i enjoy the legendary games i enjoy smash up and stuff like that so the idea that they're coming out and i don't know what the rule system is but they're coming out with a new card game based on godzilla i really don't care what the rule system is at this point (laughs) i'm probably going to pick it up and at least play Yeah, yeah yeah so that's my big thing for the horizon i can't help but think that your selection was somehow influenced by that movie Uh, i I think that someone knew some marketing in their timing (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'll 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 go next. I uh I, I he's been everywhere lately. Uh, that's for sure. And I uh, in in fact my wife and I we just went and saw John Wick. But uh, Ke- uh Keanu Reeves appeared at E3 to the adulation of the crowd and uh he he uh, introduced the full trailer for Cyberpunk 2077. 
uh, from uh, CD Red. And I have to say that, I, I, you know, TR, you and I were talking about this a little bit before recording. It, it looks gorgeous, right? The idea of having a cyberpunk open world adventure-based video game it's actually the thing that I've been pining away for and considering this is where I buy a next-gen console. I still have a 360. That's what I play on. The only game I play on there right now is Skyrim. Sometimes I'll play uh, I'll play um, Forza Motorsport or something like that. But it, that's what I have right now. It's lasting. I'm not going to throw it away. But I was thinking, man, you know, what's going to put me over the hump? And every I get little trickles, little information about Cyberpunk 2077 and what it's avail- what it can do. And I here's here's where I'm torn. <laughs> I, I started watching the preview and I was like, I called my wife and I was like, hey, 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 come check this out. I heard Keanu Reeves is in the preview. And so wait, and, is he playing uh, Johnny Mnemonic? I wish. Oh, I would. I, I, is there okay. a dolphin in there with a bunch of headgear? OK, whatever you want to say about that film. I love that film. I have that I, film. I love that I film too. Love that film. It's it's one of my favorite one, and it was what William Gibson that did that. He also yeah. did uh, yeah. Neuromancer, which is one of my favorite books. Yeah, but oh no, I just gosh. sorry. The moment they said it. Keanu Reeves was in it, I'm going wait. Johnny Mnemonics in Cyberpunk 2077. Is he in there? I wanted to see him get wheeled out with like the mouthpiece in as they're trying to download the information from his brain or something. That'd have been awesome. Or is his name Nero? I'm a Neo, sorry. Neo, Hero. Yeah. Neo. Yeah, I'm no, having a brain no, fart no, of an no, evening. It's Neo Mnemonic. I think Johnny Mnemonic's better. Johnny Mnemonic's better. Um, so, so, yeah, okay. So here's where I'm, uh, a long lead up, sorry. But all of a sudden, you know, we're watching the preview. A little violent. Okay, that's fine. We just got done watching John Wick. So, yeah, there's violence and there's some cursing in the film. So get it. It's not kid-friendly. But this was like like next-level cursing that was in the film. And... I don't know. Is it my age? Is it my my sensibilities that are that are driven by my faith? I don't know. It's it's something that kind of kind of put me off. And and the thing is, is that I I mean, my wife and I we watch you know rated R films from time to time. We still watch some of the old '90s films with Lethal Weapon, where you know every other word is the F word. And for some reason, I don't know. Maybe it's because I I I, I pine so long for it. I was I was waiting so long for it. I think it's your age. I'm getting to be that way as well. I mean, like, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Crow. I can't go back and watch yeah. that. I mean, especially if a kid walked in. And, and you know, and our pastor was actually preaching on this the other day, um, you know, kind of pointing towards the parents. I mean, you know, are you the same person at home that you are in public? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, would you, would you be okay with your children or a child watching something that you're watching on tv yeah yeah it is hard though because i agree it looks gorgeous um wow just the open world idea of a cyberpunk game but yeah i don't know it's i think part of it we got to wait to see when they release it yeah you know what kind of features do they have built in because i mean you have accessibility features sometimes you have the ability to limit what a game can do how much of that really happens or that mostly the cut scenes yeah yeah, well, I'll tell true. you, with Spider-Man, um, there is a way to stop some of the cussing Really, in the Spider-Man console game. Yeah, the only time you really get cussing, from what I understand, is during uh, the J-Podcast, or J-Cast, and J-Jameson. 
when he's doing mm-hmm. his podcast. And so, like, um, there's some, uh, I haven't turned it off or on because I never hear the podcast. Um, but there's supposedly a switch in settings to turn that off. But I agree. This thing looks incredible. The graphics are incredible. The world is incredible. And I'm, and we've said about this before, I'm a huge cyberpunk fan too. I mean, I love the, you know, I'm a big William Gibson fan. I'm a big Philip K. Dick fan. I love Blade Runner. Johnny Mnemonic was a great movie. So yeah, it's, I've been kind of watching this in the background. And then suddenly when they announced Keanu Reeves was in it, you're kind of like, ooh, this is getting interesting. And it's right up your alley, too. We've had that talk about the whole Reese's Pieces of Cyberpunk, where it's like, you know, Shadowrun, while it might be a great game, it still mixes the fantasy and the futuristic, and you'd rather have that cyberpunk focus. And, you know, we mentioned it that last time. I was like, yeah, this is one of the reasons why I would agree with that, is a game like this. Yep. So we're all going to have to watch and see. It's not coming out until next year anyway. Yeah, so that's a pretty distant horizon It said April of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not April of 2077, I think we'll be okay. But, uh, okay. <laughs> Who's up next? I have three things on the horizon. <laughs> no! You only yes. get one. And, well, really? mention the one that we talked about before. I will, but there, there's something that's getting an honorable mention, though. Okay. And I will. Right, okay. Right. And, okay, so the first thing, I met a guy today. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as as everybody knows, I'm into dice, um, and I'm in a group no. uh, of people that hand make dice, and uh, I'm one of those people that hand make dice. And this guy is actually working on die- metal dice that are made out of recycled products, and he is wanting to once he gets his everything correctly done. Um, as far as like he gets his process under control and he's ready to go and, and stuff like that, he's going to try to start a shop where um, he is making high-end gaming products from recycled materials, such as aluminum cans, old wiring, um, you know, uh, brass from uh, you know nine millimeter shells or whatever he found at the gun range, stuff like that. And um, he's currently working on his set of precision grade metal dice. And he's want to have them to be affordable compared to some of the other people who sell their dice for a couple hundred dollars a set. Nice. And uh, he is a retired veteran, and he's doing all this from his home. And hopefully um, I'll be able to mention it a little bit more. He does have a website up now. It's called the Dragons Horde Trading Company.com. And we'll put that in the show notes. Definitely. But, definitely. yeah, so, and hopefully he'll be able to get everything ready and, and going, and we'll be able to look at some of his products in the future. Um, now, my honorable mention is okay. something that's coming out, like, right now, and I can't afford it yet, but I'm going to buy it. So, <laughs> as you all know, I love my paint. <laughs> and Games Workshop just released a new line of paints called Contrast Paints. Technically, they're pre-order. They come out in like a week. The color schemes are designed around their their product line for their miniatures. But the idea behind these paints is you they give you like two to three different colors. A primer, a light color, a mid-tone, and a dark tone. And so once you primer your miniature, say you're playing you know, um, Space Marines, you're playing Ultramarines, um, you would primer it in a lighter color. And then you come in with this contrast paint. And they have a running joke that they you want to thin down your paint and do it in two thin coats. But now they're saying you do it in one thick coat. So you're literally taking 
this primer miniature and slathering, and yes, I'm using that word, this paint. That that word in, really bums me out, man. In every area that needs to be blue. Yeah, and that's exactly does, why I don't like it. And what it does is it fills, it, it colors the the white places that, and, and it goes away from the areas where the highlights need to be, and it settles in the recesses. You do have to watch it for pulling, but you can have a probably, the way it looks right now, you could probably do about 10 miniatures every hour. Um, so uh, technically, if, if we're looking at this, that means that you're going to be able to paint in half the time. Well, I'm not going to be painting. If, if, if I get a commission, it's not going to be done with these unless they're like, hey, I'm, I don't care about that. But, yeah, I mean, they, they if just it, if, it, if the instructions on using this paint includes slathering, I'm out. <laughs> yes. No, dude, you have to watch some of the videos. It's amazing. Some of the stuff that's actually coming out before it, it, it looks like somebody went in with an airbrush and highlighted certain areas. But the key is you have to learn to control the, the flow of the, the, the fluid. So I'm telling you, if mayo is not involved, I do not want to hear the word slathering. Come yeah. on, man. Especially when you combine that in the same sentence with recesses. Get out of here. <laughs> You're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exciting. New paint, new ways to do things. I wish I had more time to paint. So, yeah, one day, one day you will. <laughs> one day I will. Someday I'll find it. The paint connection. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Nice. The lovers, the dreamers in me. And 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 in a way, we're setting the mood by slathering everybody with <laughs> <laughs> sound effects. Sound effects, people. Come on. Get out of the recesses um, of your mind, Jeff. Oh, hello. Uh, no, so it, I think we, you know, we started off, and, and I'd like to start off all the episodes with a certain amount of background noise and sound effects. The, the interesting thing is, for all you listeners out there, the boys here, they have no idea what kind of nonsense I'm going to put in there. I, I give them little hints here and there, and then I, once I put it together, I, I run it by them and say, hey, here's, you know, here's what it sounds like. And, uh, and then, we, then we move forward with release. But, you know, it, it, it all started with the idea of creating some kind of ambient mood for a game night. You know, and, and I've, I've been, you know, I think it, people out there have been doing this for game nights for a long time. You know, there's, I, I remember being in, the, uh, in my buddy's house in his garage, you know, because his parents kicked us out because we were too noisy. And having the stereo set up and having, you know, he was so fancy. He had a three CD disc changer. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. We're talking high end here. And we had, you know, the soundtracks for Lord of the Rings or, you know, uh, all the different, you know, films that we could come up with. 13th Warrior, um, all this music that we wanted to play and have on constant rotation as we played our games. So it, it, you know, I think in later years it has graduated. The idea of special effects, the idea of setting moods for your games. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll take some time here and just kind of talk a little bit about some of our tricks that we use and how it fits in with game nights, whether it's, you know, auditory or, you know, even setting temperatures or food. So what's, you know, TR, how about you? You want to you wanna lead off with some of your tricks that you, uh, that you do in, uh, in your, or that you use in your game? Well, I think what you're saying, too, is it's not just role playing. So like we're understand what we're saying is this can be board games role playing oh yeah it the best way to put it is you'll it's this is where you start getting into the theater of gaming 
Yes. You know, some gaming is you sit down, you play a game. It's lunch at work. It's the background noise. It's board game night at your house or whatever. Some things you just play. You're just playing for fun. It's it's background noise. You're at a convention. You're in a bunch of people around you. You're not probably going to do this stuff. But I know for me, at least, as I've gamed longer and I'm older now, I like just adding that something extra. You know, when I was younger, yeah, we might have some things photocopied, <laughs> you know, when I was yeah. in high school. <laughs> you might have a few miniatures that were mismatched that were sitting on the table. You might, like you said, have some CDs or like my time, we had LPs on stacks, you know, yep. <laughs> and they would slap yep. down. And I guess that was part of the ambiance of the, as the thing would come down to put the next one in. But the idea is I'm older now and I host in my house. I like doing things. So I make... You know, we'll, we'll do props and stuff. But now, I'm even beyond props. That mood thing is interesting now when you have your house. So for me, the thing I've even started doing recently, I've never done it before until the last year or so, is I've started using ambient sounds. So one of the things I know is popular now is this concept of um, ASMR, or uh, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Some of you may have seen this. Like, there's the one you can listen to where something's getting a haircut. And yeah. for some people, it's an emotional response and a physical response. So there's this concept, this psychology that audio affects us. I don't go that far, but what I like is I like ambient sounds. And Daniel kind of mentioned it earlier. I've started using like a rain sound in the background. I've started using a water dripping in a cave. Um, I had a battle recently. There was a battle going on near where my players were. And I actually had battle noises that I was slowly turning the volume up as they were getting closer to it. Oh, that's so And then good. when they would go away from it, I would bring the volume back down. And that the players even said that was the creepiest thing, and it set the tone because they could tell when they were getting closer to the battle without me saying anything. And so, for me, I've actually found there's some wonderful free tools on YouTube. If you go to yeah. YouTube, mm-hmm. and I'm going to post a whole bunch of links in the show notes, but a couple of my favorites, there's one called Sword Coast Soundscapes, and they do these one, two, and sometimes like four and five hour rowing rolling ambient sound so it'd be like fantasy town fantasy market um underground temple you know evil temple haunted house there's all these different ones and a couple other companies do that as well they're like the other guy that i like a lot there's a guy and i'm going to pronounce it horrible probably michael delphi does these things called rpg D ambiance and i like them because they're just sounds so they're not the, if you remember the, I don't know if you remember the big thing, it was in the late 80s, early 90s, where they used to do these nature with sounds and music. You'd get the cricket sounds and the water dripping, but there'd be like Inya music in the background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like music. Like when I game, I usually don't play like a soundtrack or something because I don't want to be distracted by lyrics or a song that gets my attention. Yeah, like it, like it reminds you of a movie or reminds you of a certain thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want sounds that sound like where they are. And that's what I like about this list I'm going to post. These are actual sounds that have been created or recorded, like an office sound I used in a feng shui game at one point. (laughs) Uh, The idea is it's just continuous sounds. And like I said, some of them are long enough they can run your entire game period. And what I do is I just have the links on my iPad, and I have a Bluetooth speaker. And so I can sit behind my GM screen and hit a button, and the sound comes in. I put the speaker up on a shelf above my players. So the sound comes over the top of them. They didn't even know where it was coming from. And it, and it becomes it becomes like a good way of, you know, being able to control the audio, but it's not so fiddly or futzy that it gets in the way of you doing your, your game mastering. Well, I don't change them constantly. I literally pick only like maybe two 
three max. Like, okay, they're in a cave tonight. I've got the cave sound. If they happen to get to the battle, I've got the battle sound. I'm done. Right. And I just leave it low. Like, they were in a, a good example of the campaign. They started in a dwarven city, and they were moving away from it. So I had dwarven city sounds, and I just kept getting silent and more and more quiet as they moved away from the city. And then I slowly ramped up the sounds of the cave. So I shifted between the two sounds so they could tell we're getting far away from a city, we're getting closer to a cave. And so that was a fun way of doing it. So for me, sounds is a new way that I'm starting to set the tone for a game. We even did this, just to kind of give you an idea for a board game. We started playing Betrayal Legacy. And so I started playing the haunted house music while we were doing Betrayal Legacy. So it has all these creaking noises and moving floorboards and doors and wind. And it really made that game that's already creepy creepier (laughs) well i'll tell you tr um there's a website that i use it's completely free called tabletop audio Mm -hmm. and like they do push things more towards the rpg settings um but like it's completely free you can download the mp3 to your computer and you can use an app called foobar 2000 to loop those audio sounds over and over again. Like to give you an example, um, they got one called like Wizard Tower. <laughs> there's another one called Water Keep. <laughs> um, there, there's one here called um, Barovian Castle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, loop Tales. Yeah. There's one called Loop Tales, and it has a nice little subdivision with a huge Metroplex right behind it. And I mean stuff like that. They've got hundreds of. Uh, of these files and it, you know, it, I've used this along with Sirenscape for games as well. Um, you know, some of my best games are the ones that the audio just sets it. Hey, you're talking, you talk about your family, right? I mean, yeah. that was one well, of the yeah. hooks. Yeah. And, and, and well, like Savage Worlds, if you buy like a complete set, um, of their digital, uh, say like you buy everything for Deadlands North. You you also get a CD or a, an MP, a set of MP3s to set ambience for your game. They send that back to you. in my day. They used to use CDs. Yeah, now it's files. So, but but they do send that. They send that in with the uh, with your um, with your uh, PDS for your books, and so you That's can cool. download that and and listen. I've got I think uh, that within ETU and all that. When I usually buy those as a whole bundle that comes in there with it. When Jeff, I know you do the inroads plays in the Glass Dagger. What kind of sounds are you using to set the tone with your online games? So, uh, you know, you mentioned the whole accompaniment with games, uh, music. Um, for a while, I was I was listening to uh, a soundtrack that came with a game that I purchased called Shadows of Esterin. It's a it's a French adaptation. It's an adaptation of a French game. It's been brought into English. Really nice, very uh, very gentle rules when it comes to uh, to role playing, but it has a really nice setting. But the music was really great, and it was interesting when you're talking about uh, inroads plays and and some of the recordings that we've done there. I started looking at Sirenscape a little bit more deeply when it comes to the special effects, and lo and behold, they have a licensed copy of the uh, Shadows of Estrin soundtrack, uh, or at least most of it. So it's you know it's the music and sounds and and cityscapes and forestscapes that really enhance that game. Now, I've interestingly enough with this one, I'm using it to set the mood for the game itself. And so how I've used it is that you know I have I have a module that I'll I have written, and like for instance the glass dagger. 
I've run it for Inroads Plays, and I'm running it for another group that we're doing a recording for. I'm using two different soundtracks off of Sirenscape for this because the players actually helped create the mood that I'm adding the soundtrack to. So it's almost a, a chicken and egg situation in this case where I'm actually leveraging the attitude and play speed of the, uh, uh, of the players to decide on what kind of music I'm going to use. So that's been a really interesting experience there um, to the point that, uh, you know, I'm using Sirenscape obviously for kind of like the long game and, and you, know, the, you know, the tavern sounds, the city sounds, that sort of thing in the background. Um, I'm also leveraging a website called incompetech.com, and I'll again I'll have the link in the in the show notes. Uh, there's a, a musician there named Kevin McLeod who's put together a bunch of music, a bunch of uh, not just not really effects, but mostly music, various genres ranging from you know African cultural music all the way up through you know noir cyberpunk style music, which has been really interesting. <laughs> to be able to kind of take a look at. And because it's that, you know, free, free to use, free to share, um, you know, as long as you're citing them in the show notes, um, has been able to enhance some of the soundtracks as well. So that's been really fun. You know, I, I had this one situation. Okay. So I, I really like the, the board game dead of winter and I enjoy playing. I enjoy the feel. I enjoy the idea of the, on the surface, I don't like the idea of somebody betraying you, but on the in the in the scope of the game and the feel of the game, it obviously works really well with the mechanics here. So what I did one time is uh, some buddies of mine were coming over to uh, to play, and we had a few board games out. One of them was Dead of Winter, and uh, in this particular situation, my wife wasn't in town. She was uh, she was visiting family up in the uh, Northern California area. And so I ended up having them over and she would never let me run the AC as much as I like sometimes, but I turned that AC on and I cranked it until it was like below 70 degrees, right? <laughs> like my house. Then, yeah, I, I freeze in the place. I mean, I know it doesn't sound cold for most of the viewers out there, but when you get an enclosed space at that low of a temperature, it feels really a lot colder than it, than it, uh, than it reads. So we had, I had that going on. Then I had various sound effects looping in the background, you know, distant sounds of some door closing or metal crashing or a dog barking in the distance, that sort of thing. My dog randomly getting up and walking around was really nice, too. That helped. But then I actually had a bunch of canned food. (laughs) And we had water that had been out was room temperature water. Um, that sort of thing. So I actually brought in like different smells as well as some like oddments of food that could be used in this kind of post-apocalyptic landscape. And we gravitated from playing that to playing End of the World Apocalypse, which is an RPG where you basically play yourselves. Um, you kind of roll yourself into a, into your regular stats or you create the stats based on your, your you as a person. And so we had a lot of fun with that. So that actually brought in auditory smells, tastes. I don't know. Have you guys done that before where you've brought in food for a game? I've done the tasting. I ran a a Legend of the Five Rings campaign uh, back on the first edition Legend of the Five Rings. And we were really getting into it, doing the history. A lot of us were history buffs. So I actually started teaching myself to make Japanese cuisine and stuff. So I would actually make snacks and desserts that were Japanese themed. 
for the oh, night. That's cool. And it was fun because it just really set that cool. tone. I even learned to, like, some of the stuff I did American style Asian food. So I even, like, figured out how to make my own fortune cookies and stuck my own fortunes in them. Um, just stupid things cookies. like that. But just the idea was the food helps set the tone for what's a very role playing intensive game. It's way less mechanics, it's much more about interacting with each other. So I wanted to kind of set the emotional context too, and food to me sets an emotion. Nice. Well, now, what I remember, um, again, this is a period when I was really heavily in the GURPS. Um, I was playing a, uh, well, I was running a uh, GURPS um, uh, Deadlands game. And for a meal, I prepared a meal for everybody, and it was nothing but baked beans. <laughs> Were you playing scenes from Blazing Saddles in the background? <laughs> No, no, because at, at the time, one of my favorite westerns was they call me Trinity. Oh yes. Oh, okay. and that scene where he's eating all those baked beans, and and so I, I fed everybody baked beans whether they liked it or not. Nice. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I've always used. I, I try to use food. Um, you know, if if we get a chance to, like, I remember mm-hmm. um one of my roommates that I played D and D with as well. He had a secondary D and D game that he would play outside of on the Saturday nights while I was land party, and he'd always get a another D and D game. And I remember one day he was like roasting some potatoes. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to roast these potatoes. Well, first of all, he doesn't cook. So <laughs> I had to show him how to roast potatoes. But um, yeah, so like he was in there cutting up potatoes and onions and seasoning them and roasting them in the in the oven and things like that. And everybody was bringing a themed uh, what you would expect to eat in a tavern. You nice. know, um, nice. yeah, we've served cheeses and meats and stuff before, like something you would think would be in a tavern and, and breads. And, you know, when it comes to drinks, um, a few hearty ales and stuff like that. I mean, just to set, you know, this is obviously adults playing, but, yeah. um, you know, something like that. Now with the kids though, I kind of like an old school feel. And mm-hmm. so the, the whole concept of I'm trying to set a mood for them around the stuff they see in the TV shows and the movies that we watch. So like if we play Dungeons and Dragons, I might just pull out the Funkins Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we, you know, something else is that what gets me in the mood is say I'm getting ready to play, um, you know, D and D. Say Friday nights, D and D night. Leading up to that, I'll have certain things playing in the background leading up to to that day. Like I might watch Conan and the Barbarian or have it running in the background. Love I might that listen soundtrack. To yeah, that no. soundtrack is amazing. That's my ringtone. Is that main theme? And it dun 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 dun. It's <laughs> so like. I mean, just things like that gets me in the mood, and by the time I get there, I'm just so pumped up, and and then I bring everything because I keep a um, a US or not USB, but a uh, Bluetooth speaker in my backpack, and usually I'm running things from a laptop, so my laptop's connected to the Bluetooth speaker. I've got my sounds and music coming out that way. Um, you know, if I have to set some candles up, lit, light some candles and things like that. And there's a few companies out there that make them, um, uh, you know, they make some specialty candles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. You get the one that like smells like barn stall and yeah. musty dungeon. You're like, these are not quite the ones you get at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> it smells like a halfling's butt. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's, it still helps. I mean, it's, you know, and, sure, and yeah. get, get some of those, um, 
Oh, those chickens from Walmart. You know what I'm talking about. The, uh, rotisserie chicken. <laughs> rotisserie. Yeah, I just sit there and cut them in half and slather the one on a plate and hand it to somebody. And here's your chicken. You know, kind of like in medieval times. Yeah. Well, and another awesome. thing, I talked earlier about props. I like crafting my own props. Okay. Props take a lot of time. Not everyone has the time, interest, or even ability to craft their own props. Don't feel you can't have props in your game. There are places yeah. now you can buy props from inexpensive to expensive. So first off, I will tell you the greatest prop store in the world is Hobby Lobby. Yes. Hobby Lobby Agreed. and then Michael's are two of the greatest. I don't know if you have them in your region, but the Hobby Lobby store and Michael's craft stores, I can walk in and walk out with pre-made props and yep. use that 40% off coupon constantly. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love I love that thing. But then the next level up, you can do things like Gale Force 9 puts out minis, puts out spell cards, monster cards for D&D. They put out things for other games. There's a big high-end one now called Beetle and Grimm's. They oh put one gosh. out for Waterdeep, and they've got one coming out for Salt Marsh here soon. Oh and gosh. these are super expensive, and they've got all this pristine, like, parchment paper handouts, and they've got little jewelry, and there's all... Oh, it's so yeah. fancy. We're getting, ready to, we're getting ready to play the Waterdeep one. One of the guys in my group invested in that, and he's going to run the, the Waterdeep heist adventure. I can't nice. wait to see what all's in that box. That's cool. But the idea That's is... Cool, yeah. He, even though he's a cosplayer, this is what's funny. He's a cosplayer. He doesn't like making that many props for his games. He doesn't have the time. So he invests in that. Where me, part of the fun is building the props. I make my own parchment paper by using tea. I make my own scroll cases by ripping apart old briefcases and using the leather to wrap around tubes and stuff. I mean, I'm known for making my own props. and That's part of the fun. But don't feel you have to be this craftsman to do that. Like for a card deck, I went and bought a little toy chest, or like wooden chest from Hobby Lobby. I went and bought felt in the felt section of Hobby Lobby, and then ta-da! Now I have this little jewelry case that looks like a treasure chest, and it was really nice. inexpensive and simple. So the props can also set the mood because you can get a like, good example. Another place I love going is Goodwill. At Goodwill, I'll find some fun tumblers and fun cups and stuff, and I've stacked those up to make it feel like that you're seeing an alchemy layout you know if you find an alchemist i mean you just you can find these odd things that can then be great props like here's a great example i did one simple i at hobby lobby i bought one of those books that's actually a hinged box you know it's a book like a box and nice. then i bought on amazon a bunch of test tubes that have screw-on caps and i put dice in them and i give them away as potions so I actually get a hand Ooh. healing potions to my players, and I hand poison to them, and they actually take the top off and roll the dice out of the tube. You nice. know, and there, there's a new Kickstarter that's getting ready to come out, too, um, in the dice community. It's healing potions, and it's literally these special D4s that look like capsules. Yeah, I've seen those. Can you talk more about props? Um, Norse Foundry at one time sent me a, a bag of coins. Yep, And they were goblin-themed coins. And this is when I played a lot of Savage Worlds. And so, like, those coins, I just, I, I, you know, I use them as my bennies. But I've gotten to a point now where um, I take, I, I, I have a homebrew rule. And I give kids these coins, like bennies in Savage Worlds, and allow them to re-roll a, a, a stat, a, you know, a check or something like that. And so, like, I'm like, if you want to re-roll that, just give me one of your coins. But for them to have goblin currency in their hands, <laughs> and 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 That's it's not cool. just Norse Foundry that's doing it now. Uh, 
Brabelli, the the parent company for uh, Wizdice, um, they've actually released some cheap coins that are themed towards Dungeons and Dragons because you know you expect people that make Wizdice being a Dungeons and Dragons, so right. they've got a really big group in 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 the warehouse that just do nothing but play D anD. d But I even do this for board games. Like I like making custom cases for my games. Yeah. I like changing out. Like I'll replace the dice in a board game to put dice that fits more the feel of the game. I've replaced components in the game. I mean, I've done that, you know, like take out the paper money and actually put, you know, coins in or cards. So even board games, I will change out components to make them more thematic. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's kind of cool too, is, I mean, you can, you can find some really extravagant board games as well that have that kind of level of detail that evokes certain moods, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, like your gloom havens, uh, rage. Uh, but then, you know, like it's, it's, what's really nice about that is the, you don't necessarily have to get the, the really expensive games to evoke that mood. Like we're talking about, you can actually bring that mood to the table. You can make an expensive run or inexpensive run at, leveling up i guess to be real kitschy uh-huh. about it or cliche we can you know level up your game experience by you know having those smells or the foods or the music that's around you um because what it does is it's not only it not only like helps with you know setting the mood or adding that flavor but i think what it does is it also helps the people who are are joining the host of the game it either you see them the host like how much they want to like put into the game but also very much to the point that that you guys are making other people are bringing their own food in you know like oh yeah you know like daniel you were talking about the kinds of food at a tavern you know you have hey i have this this and this what do you guys want to bring you know like it's a cthulhu game night let's bring all seafood you know it's you know weird seafood bring that in or something you know so it, it gets more investment from the people around you because they say oh well tr had this great soundtrack you know what I have this this movie, this random movie that's from Spain that has just some of the best orchestration in it. I bet that would be a great addition. Let me bring that over and see if he'll give it a spin. You know, so it's it it helps investment from from the players around the table. I think uh, because there's more ways to contribute to the game night. Well, and getting it's, a little into the sciencey side, and we're not getting it, but there's the the different intelligences or the different way mm-hmm. people learn. You know, some yeah. people are in nature, some are audio, some are visual. When you right. add those elements to your games, someone who remembers things based on the smells, like, well, you know, I always remember how grandma's house smelled and things like that. Right. You add that to the game, you add to that memory. Someone who's an audio learner, you know, not only you're talking, but there's music. I don't know about you. Right. I hear certain music and I can tell you exactly what scene in a movie that was or a TV show yep. just yep. from a clip of the, the audio. I can I'm do the you. same thing if I smell certain things. I remember places. You know, all of a sudden it'll now, bring back this huge memory. So I'll reverse this for you. Now, when you do these kinds of things at your game night, when they have that smell elsewhere yep. or that sound or that music elsewhere, they're going to think about the game night, right? Yep. So you can actually reverse that too. But it is now, something that point. by doing yeah. it, you're helping your players who are all different. Exactly. You know, if they're that's, audio, that's visual, if they're, you know, just, it really does add that. So a little bit of science yeah. there. But like you said, it's just part of the fun. It just it yeah. makes the evening fun to show you put a little more effort into just reading things on a page or reading the rule yeah. book to a game. You have a game you're yeah. passionate about, you put a little more into it, and it makes it fun. I agree. I agree. Well, you know, and 
just kind of making the turn here when it comes to uh, when it comes to faith there's a lot of examples of this in the bible there's a lot of examples of this in our day-to-day worship when it comes to how we you know how we express our faith and how we actually get into our faith right yep. i mean there's there's the obvious stuff like worship there's the obvious things like like music types of music that that kind of gets us into that attitude of worship um, there's also examples of it in the Bible, such as the scene being set right after the Last Supper, or even the Last Supper itself, the scene that was set there, the camaraderie, the family, the, the fellowship that's, that's there before Christ is taken away. But then there's the scene in Gethsemane in the, in the, uh, the, the olive tree grove where he's, you know, he's praying to the Lord, but he's in this place of peace. He's in this place where it, there's, there's that kind of calm before the storm. There's that lull. There's that, that opportunity. He went and found a place where he could pray. And then you have the opposite end of that. You have the, the scenes that were set to represent King Herod you know, and, and how he, the type of lifestyle he led that um, led him to make some pretty bad decisions or, you know, the various versions of Herod. Well, you also look at things like the tabernacle and how it was mm-hmm. designed and how the craftsmen made certain kind of lampstands and certain kind of tables. And there was the different yeah. levels of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. So you did this kind of worship here and this kind of sacrifice here and certain people were here. And it, it set that mood based on where you were in that building or building it was a tent right. early on before it was the temple. Right. And we even that modern, you start looking at early cathedrals. You look at the architects mm-hmm. and how they laid out a cathedral, the designing of the stained glass and the rose windows that were to set the tone and the loftiness of God with the big flying buttresses and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I said buttresses. Um, and we, well, we still get it today. I mean, like, there's a reason why certain churches have a certain layout. You know, like growing up, it was... Uh, everybody pray together. Everybody sing two songs together. Prayer requests. Sing another song. Everybody go pray over those prayer requests, and then a few three songs by somebody up front and just sing into the church. And then you you know you have your thing. It's because it works for them. It sets a tone and sets a mood. And um, you know that to them, some of those churches believe that's what gets the Holy Spirit going. And and you know. To them, that that's always going to be their thing, and I mean, we still see it today. What I think is, you look, you're talking about setting the mood. You just look at Jesus in the upper room. You know, you had the meal, the Last Supper, and that's where he does the first communion, which sets a tone for the the transition of his ministry. Not an end; it's a transition. Yeah. And then there's the whole where he switches and put, you know, takes off his robe, puts the towel on, and washes their feet. Jesus is setting a mood and a tone where he wants the disciples to do going forward with the ministry. So it went from being, we're going from town to town, we're preaching, we're doing stuff to, this is going to be very personal. And I think that's, that's a great example. We're talking about us bringing food. We're talking about us bringing an ambiance to the room. Jesus did the same thing to set the tone for his ministry so yeah, the Bible has the historical versions of the tabernacle, the temple, um, Herod. You talked about. Yeah, you look yeah. at the judges, different stuff that happened in judges. The whole discussion of Samson, yeah. and you know there was the idea of his hair, the jawbone. Mm-hmm. There's all these fun stories that set 
of you know like you know what samson looked like just by reading it it sets a tone him fighting with yeah. a jawbone i mean that kind of sets the tone for what he did and the idea that <laughs> it's his hair tone, yeah. and he keeps toying with bathsheba and yeah. or delilah yeah. Bathsheba's a different one it's a delilah but he just you know he toys with her about the ropes and all this kind of stuff but that idea of even the bible uses ambiance to get a message across that's going parallel to the actual story yeah i I, we see it in um like in the book of psalms how the uh the psalms are put together how certain phrases and and lyrics within the uh the poetry evokes images evokes a certain mindset and then evokes the reason for the, the the call out to prayer Right. When, you know, when when David's talking about, you know, certain levels of persecution and how he's calling out to the Lord. Well, he's he's very evocative with the imagery that comes out of that of saying, you know, here's why I'm praying for it. And then he starts going into details of how he how he needs the Lord to appear in a certain way. Well, not so much in a certain way, but but what's going to evoke his comfort and evoke his strength, you know, such as the. you know, picturing the Lord as a as a firm foundation, as as being the high tower in whom He trusts, that sort of thing. It's it's uh, it's that kind of imagery that speaks to us on a very personal level. And I think there's so many different examples of it in the Bible that it really it it speaks to the speaks to our hearts. It's interesting because I I don't always get into the singing at church, but I do get into the times when we start um, looking back on. Uh, the images that are evoked in church uh, or they're evoked by the Bible. So I'd sometimes like I'll, I'll be outside talking with a couple of folks as they they're singing, you know, as, as they're starting the praise and worship. But then as we start praying and getting together, then I'll, I'll drift into the, 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 the chapel and I'll, I'll sit down and, you know, and, and start, start listening in and, and, and participate. Well, and I think Jesus was just this great example of showing why a mood matters. His message is like he would do a message on a mountainside. He would specifically mm-hmm. do a, mount, a message at a wedding. He specifically did one sitting around a table. He did one at a funeral. You know, he, each, when his various miracles and his various preachings, each one was in a different location with different people and set different tones. And you could, he, you could tell That's he was purposeful. Point. There was no way these were all random. And to me... That's that idea of he was a great storyteller as well as the son of God. You know, he knew how to get to his audience and talk to them to make where they were, you know, and sometimes people wouldn't listen. The Bible talks about that. This was not the right place for them to hear this message. That's somewhere else that they'll hear the message. And so I think that that's interesting. Um, you know, like you gave the scripture, you know, Mark fourteen thirty two. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." And there's that whole story of what happens in that garden, right. and it's a very different story than what happens when he was at the Lazarus in raising Lazarus. It's different than his first miracle, which was the changing of the water into wine. Each one of those had different tones because the mood was set differently. That's an important thing for us. Whether it's through music or whether it's through smells, tastes, and, and like I said, sounds, or even location. But one thing is for sure, and that is God is the game master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>